You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hello everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. This is episode 84, titled Sunjay Shorts, where I will be discussing movie reviews for Kong Skull Island, Ghost in the Shell, and Power Rangers. As you probably guessed, I will be doing this podcast by myself today. Unfortunately, Tim, he's uh, he's flown the country, he's down south in the USA for work, and Troy the boy, he's gone off to his honeymoon. He's no longer Troy the boy, he's now Troy the man. Um, before I begin the podcast, I just wanted to say, Troy, um, shout out to you and your lovely wife. Uh, thank you very much for inviting us to your wedding, letting us be a part of your special day. Truly, you guys had an amazing wedding. Uh, I teared up a couple times, I'm not going to lie, you know, I tried to be, you know, a man and stoic about it, but I just couldn't help it, I mean, it was just a beautiful wedding, love the venue, you guys did a great job, hats off to you guys, it was fantastic. So I'm going to attempt to do this podcast by myself, um, so before you shut this off, I mean, if your favorite podcasters were Tim and Troy, they're my favorite as well, but uh, I ask you, just stick around, you know, you might have some fun today. It's not all bad. I mean, solo casting with Sanjay, the name just rolls off your tongue. You know, I'm looking to branch out. Uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I haven't solo casted since I first started podcasting many, many months ago. So this is going to be interesting, but uh, I think we can do this. Uh, if you stick with me today, we're going to have a fun time and discuss some movie reviews. But before we begin, some personal news. I, uh, I got my holy grail of steelbook collecting. So for those who listen to the podcast, and I assume you do if you're listening to this specific episode, uh, I'm a huge fan of Batman v Superman. Uh, I'm not the only one, but I'm one of a few. And I stumbled upon this special collector's edition from a company in China uh, titled HD Zeta. That's H-D-Z-E-T-A. And um, I ordered directly from their website. A little iffy, you know, ordering directly from China, seeing what what they're going to send, if they're going to send anything at all. My bank actually blocked the transaction, and I had to call them and say, hey, guys, this is a legit transaction. Like, let this go through. I didn't want it to sell out. It shipped from Beijing. I got it. I'm going to tell you guys, I, I threw a picture up on my Twitter. If you haven't got a chance, check it out. This was my holy grail. It's fantastic. It's got a double-sided lenticular cover, so it's a little bit of 3D action there. Then it has a portfolio filled with um, photos from the movie, as well as uh, a special numbered card. So this is, I think, only 1,100 made. So super rare, and it comes with the best-looking steelbook I've seen of the movie, which has Superman and Batman squaring off in battle. Batman has the armor suit on, and then on the back is the character poster for Wonder Woman. So they did a fantastic job on this. I am loving it. To be honest with you, this blows the North American entry out the water. I got that Best Buy Batman v Superman one with the character posters where you flip over. One is Batman with the Superman symbol over his face. And the other one is Superman with the Batman symbol over his face. 
And I do like it. I mean, it does look good, but this thing, you could tell they put a lot more effort into it. A little bit more pricey, including shipping, because the Canadian dollar is so shitty against the US dollar right now. Uh, it came out to about 80 bucks, but I think it's worth it. And I ordered the Suicide Squad one as well. Uh, that one actually just got released this month. So the one downside from the site is it takes a while before these movies come out. Um, Suicide Squad, the DVD or the Blu-ray or the Steelbook came out last year, I believe, last November, I want to say. So it's been about, what, nine, ten months since the release? They have drawn up some concept art for the Wonder Woman film, and this blows the Best Buy uh, North American entry out the water again. Um, so I'm going to have to wait and see when that comes out, but I'm definitely going to have to order that. It'll probably be maybe Christmas time, maybe early 2018, but I think they do such a really good job. It's a little bit thicker, so you don't just get a steelbook. You get kind of a collector's case, and my plan is to collect all these for the DC Extended Universe because um, they're pricey, as I said. I'm just catching up. So I've got Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad. Unfortunately, there's no Man of Steel one, but there are some other uh, box sets for Man of Steel that I'm going to have to look to pick up. So yeah, so let me know on Twitter what you guys think of this. I think they... I, I just can't rave about this enough. And let me know what your holy grail of collecting is. Is What's something that you know, you've been setting out to find and you've searched and you, when you finally get it, there's no better feeling. Throw up some pictures, uh, make sure you tag the nerd room or at Sunjabi. Show us, let us know, you know, what is your one holy grail of collecting? I know we talked about this a little bit last week when you guys had uh, asked us some questions. You know, show us some pictures. I want to see some photographic evidence of it and tell us your story behind it. Uh, this is, I just happened to stumble upon this. I was on a, a steelbook form and someone posted about the Wonder Woman one because they were unhappy of the North American offering. And that's how I learned about this one. So you never know what you're going to find out there. Keep an open mind. And hey, you could find your holy grail like I did when I just stumbled upon it. And I was like, this is an easy purchase for me. So that brings me to my next point. You know, I've kind of been bashing Best Buy a little bit here. Uh, and it's unfortunate because at the beginning of the year, they did such a good job putting out steelbooks. And I think they still do, uh, on average, a really good job. But the last couple of weeks, they've been a little bit of issues with Best Buy. I ordered the Alien Covenant 4K steelbook. And uh, the day of the release, they, they sent me an email saying that the shipment had been delayed. They didn't give me any more information. I wasn't the only one. And it came about a week late. So I was a little bit upset about that. And, you know, add to the fact that their shipping of their steelbooks haven't been as good as in the past before they would give you a box, which was pretty much the same size of the steelbook. So it wasn't very much room to move. But now they shipped it in this huge box, which is some airbags. So it makes no sense to me. I don't know who made that call, but it's ended up in a couple of chip steelbooks. My Lego Batman one has a huge uh, paint chip on the front. So I wasn't too happy about that. Uh, Alien Covenant being late, not too happy about that. And then uh, Ghost in the Shell, which was also late. So again, not too happy about that. Luckily, my Guardians 2 shipped, but that wasn't the case for everyone. I've heard some online chatter that, you know, it wasn't the case. Theirs has been delayed as well for about a week. I don't know what's going on with Best Buy. I hope they figure their shit out. Uh, they got the Wonder Woman release coming up, Spider-Man Homecoming, Pirates of the Caribbean. I have those three on pre-order. So hopefully there's no more hiccups with those. Uh, wait and see. 
let me know what's your experience uh if you still buy movies if you still buy from best buy let me know because it's really the only place in canada now where you can pick up a steelbook you can go to amazon you can go to ebay but those are all secondhand and they really jack up the price some of those scalpers are i don't know how they sleep at night they like triple quadruple times the price it's not fair i think there should be one steelbook only like a rule it's unfortunate that it's had to come to that with the scalpers but that's the world we live in if you can make a quick buck people are going to look to exploit it and do it so let me know uh, if you guys have had any issues with best buy like i have not to crap on them entirely their steelbook for alien covenant is great it's got like the little alien on the cover and their guardians of the galaxy steelbook again it's great their steelbooks aren't the problem the problem is them getting the product to the customers and I feel like if I'm paying and shelling out 45 bucks for some of these steelbooks, that's almost double the price of a Blu-ray. So I want some consistency. I want to make sure that there's no chips because these are collectibles. I mean, I buy special cases just to put the steelbooks in so they don't get chipped. So I would appreciate them if they also took care in delivering the steelbook to their customers, which would in turn be happier customers, which is good for everyone. Yeah, so that's my little bit of rant on my personal collecting. I guess I'll just jump right into today's main topic. So here at the Nerd Room, we like to discuss superhero movies, comic book movies. You know that we're doing an MCU retrospective, which you can check out on our website, thenerdroom.net. And I just thought, we do so many superhero movies, it would be nice to get a chance to discuss some other movies. 2017 has been great for comic book movies, probably the best ever but there's more than just those superhero tentpole projects out there studios are trying to get other tentpoles into the market and start huge franchises that make millions and billions of dollars two of the only ones i can think of that have been super successful well three i guess uh star wars obviously the mcu and the dceu in terms of box office gross you look at other franchises like the mummy um, Transformers, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, those franchises haven't been killing it at the box office, especially here in North America, which is kind of surprising to me because those are some tried and true franchises with huge celebrities, huge A-list actors leading the way. I don't know if it's a fatigue in North America. A lot of people say, you know, the movies weren't very good, but that hasn't stopped the Transformer movies from the past or the Pirates of the Caribbean movies of the past from performing well. So I'm not sure why this year audiences have stayed at home. I don't know if just the demographic is shifting where people prefer to watch movies at home and by that I mean stream it at home because home video sales are abysmal and box office sales are doing poor. So I don't know what people expect. I mean it's an unstable business model when they still want the product but they're not willing to pay for it either going to theater or paying for it at home. So that's going to have some consequences down the road, but getting uh, back on track here, there's been several franchise movies that have come out in 2017. Some have been very well done, some have been very poorly done, and today we will be discussing Kong Skull Island, Ghost in the Shell, and Power Rangers. I was wanting to talk to you guys today about Alien Covenant, but as I said, Best Buy shipped the movie a week late, so I wasn't able to watch it before this review. Er, um, but 
But hey, three movies is a lot. I'm one person. What do you want from me? I ain't Superman, so get off my back. Stop it. So I'm going to be doing some mini reviews for you guys today. So these movies were all expected to be big franchise starting points, whether that be a connected cinematic universe or spin-offs or other sequels into these franchises. And to be honest with you, not a single one of them performed very well at the box office, especially in North America. Kong definitely did the best box office wise and critically wise as well. But still, it didn't knock it out of the park. It wasn't like a Wonder Woman or Beauty and the Beast sized hit. It was just a modest hit, to be honest with you. So not only will I be doing reviews for you guys today, but I'll also give you my opinion on if I think a sequel will get made, if it should get made, and I'll give you a rating out of 5 for each movie. So let's begin with the first entry, Kong Skull Island. What you're looking at is a monster from some bygone era. Run! So this movie, as I said, performed the best both domestically and worldwide at the box office, as well as critically. Currently in 2017, it sits in 12th place in North American box office gross, taking in $170 million in North America and about $560 million worldwide, all on a budget of $185 million. So it didn't even make back its budget in North America, but when you throw in the worldwide gross, it is a nice sizable profit for Warner Brothers, probably a little bit less than they were expecting, especially given that this is Kong and the amount of actors and money that they put into this movie. They were expecting something probably closer to maybe 200 million North America at least, 650 worldwide, so didn't perform up to standards. Critics though, they really like this. It currently sits at 76% on Run Tomatoes. So the story starts off with two explorers and they're getting help from a senator. The Vietnam War had just ended for the United States and they need help exploring this mysterious Skull Island. So the senator agrees he doesn't want the Russians to be able to see it first. So he sends a group of soldiers that had just finished at Vietnam before they could go home to America. They had to accompany this expedition in order to explore Skull Island. When they get there, they realize things aren't what they seem. This island had never been explored before. There are mythical creatures about. And we are introduced to Kong almost immediately. So I'm not going to give you a breakdown of the plot, what we normally do here. I'm just going to do some mini reviews for you and start with some pros. The action scenes. Let me tell you, the action scenes in this movie are fantastic. The CGI is great. It holds up. Kong looks amazing. I don't think he's ever looked better. He definitely looks better than the uh, Peter Jackson version from, I believe, 2009. And not just Kong. There's other mythical creatures about. There's like a big yak yeti creature in the water. Some of the lizards that lurk about on the island and a giant spider, they all look fantastic. The CGI, the action scenes, second to none. You can tell that they spent every penny of that $185 million budget. And I think for the betterment of the movie, it looks fantastic. And not just the CGI, but the scenery as well. There's lots of green jungle. It's very lush. The colors look great. There's a uh, part when they're with a bunch of skulls and you get a lot of oranges and pops the film pops definitely if you get a chance check it out in 4k if you can i watched it on blu-ray it looked fantastic but 4k would look even better another pro i found was the great use of music they have a lot of great music in this movie definitely from that era from the vietnam war 
and they do a great job mixing that in, getting you hyped for scenes. And the actors, there are a lot of great talented actors in this movie. You got John Goodman, and then you got a whole sleuth of MCU actors, whether it's Tom Hiddleston, Samuel L. Jackson, John C. Riley, and Brie Larson. So that's four MCU actors. Maybe when they were here at Warner Brothers making this film, maybe Warner tried to bring them over to the DCEU, you know? The actors did a great job. They have a lot of great chemistry. Samuel Jackson, he's always great. He could play anything. Those are the strengths that I found. Very action-heavy. Reminded me of a 90s action movie where there's lots of great action. It looks great. It's quick. But this is when I get to start to get to my cons. The story. The little bit of story that I gave you is pretty much the only story that we're given in the entire film. It definitely doesn't take the time to introduce us to the characters, and I think the film suffers because of that. To be honest, you don't really get a sense of who these characters are, and you don't really feel for them. When they start getting picked off by Kong or other members of the creatures of Skull Island, you kind of just go, eh, I mean... Who was that guy anyways? I forgot his name. A lot of the characters, I didn't even know their names while they were getting killed, which is never a good sign. be honest with you, the middle kind of dragged a little bit. And after I was done watching it, I was like, yeah, that was good. I probably won't think of it again. Like, it was a decent enough movie, a solid movie, but it doesn't really stick with you. It's not like an instant classic, I would say. So... In that respect, I'm only giving it 3 out of 5 stars, which is still, you know, it's a good, solid movie, as I said, but it's not great. Now, do I think there will be a sequel? Yes. I believe I've heard rumors that it's tied to the Godzilla universe. In fact, they're not just rumors. They've stated that this is going to be tied to Godzilla. I believe it's going to be tied to the Godzilla film, which was released a couple years ago. And is this movie as good as that Godzilla film? I'm going to say no. I believe that the other Godzilla film was more memorable, and that could be because I'm more of a Godzilla fan. There are two people in this world, those who love King Kong and those who love Godzilla, and I'm on the side of Godzilla. I even love that terrible 90s Godzilla movie with Puff Daddy singing Heroes. I don't know, it's just like a guilty pleasure of mine. The CGI is horrible in that, but when they redid it with Bryan Cranston and Elizabeth Olsen, That was a great Godzilla film. I love that film. And I actually just picked up the steelbook today. So I think they're tied together in the kaiju universe. Um, I don't think they're going to be restarting with a new Godzilla. Which is a little bit strange because Kong, this movie takes place I believe in the 60s or 70s. I'm sorry, I don't know my history of when the Vietnam War ended. We'll just say 60s I believe. If anyone can correct me, thank you. And Godzilla... The movie that came out a couple of years ago, I believe it was 2012 or 2013. I think that takes place in modern times. So, you know, we'll have an older Kong versus a new Godzilla. Let me know. Who do you prefer? Are you more of a Kong fan or are you more of a Godzilla fan? Are you excited for the sequel? To be honest, the sequel will be Kong versus Godzilla. So that has something different to it. And I hope it brings something different to the franchise Kong is just one of those characters that they haven't really cracked the nut since when they first released Kong, I believe back in the 20s or 30s, and that was just a massive hit, such an iconic film, and they've been trying to chase it back 
for hundreds, almost a hundred years now. Such an iconic character. Everyone knows who King Kong is. Everyone knows who Godzilla is. I just wish they did something a little bit with more story heavy. Give us some more background on Kong. Give us some more background on the characters. I understand they didn't want to do that because Peter Jackson just did that in 2009. He did pretty much a straight remake from the 30s version, which was very character driven instead of action driven, which this one was, and they're trying to do something different. And as I said, to me, it felt a little flat, but it looks great. The action scenes are great. You'll have fun, but you'll probably forget it after it's done. So next review we have for you coming up is Ghost in the Shell. This is Major. I'm on site. I'm going in. For those of you who don't know, this is a live action remake of the classic anime movie Ghost in the Shell. Came out in the 90s. If you've seen The Matrix, which I assume most of you have, The Matrix took a lot of material and a lot of inspiration from the anime movie. So it was only natural that eventually a live action film would come to Hollywood. And in 2017, they finally delivered, giving us Ghost in the Shell. Now, this movie, I hate to say it because I did enjoy it, it bombed and it bombed hard. Coming in at 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is actually pretty decent. I mean, if you're Suicide Squad or Batman v Superman, you'd kill for 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, okay? So 45% on Rotten Tomatoes isn't the end of the world. This movie is actually finished 40th so far in 2017 on a $110 million budget. It made only $40 million in North America, coming in in third place on its opening weekend, losing to Boss Baby and Beauty and the Beast. So a massive, massive failure in the box office. Very disappointing. It did make $170 million worldwide, and it actually did pretty decent in Japan and China. But as I said, that North American box office number, oh, $40 million on a $110 million budget, that's a bad investment any way you slice it. So why did this bomb? From the start, there was some controversy with this film. First off, many people in North America were upset that this classic Japanese anime movie was getting remade with Scarlett Johansson instead of an Asian actress in the lead role. Which is really interesting because in Japan, actually, there wasn't as much uproar or controversy over the casting. They kind of just assumed that it would be a Hollywood actress taking the lead role. And... Here in North America, that was a huge strike against it before it was even released. Number two, the marketing and the trailers didn't do a fantastic job telling us what this movie was. And number three, this was a remake of probably the biggest and the most memorable anime film of all time. I don't watch anime films. I've only seen one in my life. And you guessed it, it's Ghost in the Shell. Even though I enjoyed the anime movie more... I really did enjoy the live action version of this movie. So why did I like this movie so much? Um, So before I tell you why I really enjoyed this film, let me give you a brief description of what this film is about. The film starts off with a character by the name of Major. She dies in her human form and her brain is saved and put into the body of a robot. 
She becomes a cop and she's forced to uphold the laws of the land and their search of a terrorist by the name of Kuze who can hack into robots and he can control the robots and get them to do whatever he wants. Which is what the anime version was pretty much the same story as well. So as I said, why did I like this film? First off, this film looks beautiful, especially in 4K. I saw Again, I don't have 4K yet, I can only imagine, but in Blu-ray, it blew me away. I've not been that blown away by a futuristic city in a sci-fi movie since Blade Runner. This film, let me tell you, it was fantastic. It looked amazing. The use of neon, the use of those giant 3D neon avatars across the city, they really brought the anime to live action. And I actually think they surpassed the anime in terms of visual effects, especially in regards to the city with the use of the neons and the giant 3D avatars. Ooh, there's tons of scenes in the movie, and I loved each and every one of them. Were there too many of the scenes where they just show tracking of the city? Probably, but I forgave them because it looked beautiful. This is a beautiful looking film. You have to see it for yourselves. It is amazing. Film has to be more than just look pretty. And Scarlett Johansson, she does a great job as the main character Major. She really knocks it out of the park. She does an excellent job for the action scenes and she's used to that having been in the first two Avengers films and several other MCU films. As I said, the action scenes were fantastic. The opening action scene featuring geisha robots was very well done. The use of the colors, you know, the splashes of the different reds and the neons really gave it a futuristic feel. And you never really lose that feel in terms of the movie. When I watched it the first time, I didn't enjoy it as much as when I watched it the second time. Some of the scenes were a little bit confusing, and this is when I get into my negatives. Negative, it's not as good as the anime, but it was never going to be as good as the anime. You know, when you remake something as beloved as Ghost in the Shell, no matter what you come up with, people are always going to prefer the original. It's why people prefer Jurassic Park over Jurassic World, and in 20 years, if they ever remake Titanic, we're all going to sit around and say it wasn't as good as Kate and Leo when they did in 97. And that's just the way it is. You know, we have stubborn brains, I guess. That's just human nature. I think. I don't know. But uh, it just, for whatever reason, it's very few times can it ever live up to the hype. We build stuff up in our heads. And, you know, because of that, it makes us not appreciate something for what it is. And going into this film... I wasn't a huge super fan of Ghost in the Shell, the anime. I had only seen it once before, and that was before this movie came out. Maybe two days before I watched it on Blu-ray, I actually watched the anime. So I had seen the anime first, but I hadn't been watching it for 20 years and really building it up. Like I'm sure a lot of people who watch this movie did. This movie as well, it does a lot of hand-holding. They really dumb down the story and give you more exposition and explanation as opposed to the anime film. You know, they really emphasize the ghost in the shell represents the human brain into the robot. And they really talk about the themes of loneliness and what it means to be human. And I think they just did a little bit too much holding the hands and giving you too much explanation for a North American audience. Another thing I didn't really understand was they changed some scenes, but for no reason really. And in fact, they made them worse than the anime. Uh, the one scene I can think of that really was not as strong in the live action as the anime, and fans of both will recognize this scene, was at the beginning of the anime, there's 
a group of garbage men, two garbage men, and the terrorist Kuze, he hacks into one of the garbage men and they commit this crime and the cops catch him. And before the cops catch him though, the garbage man just seemed like an everyman. He was talking about how much he loved his wife and his daughter. And then the cops catch him and they interrogate him. And all he says is, you know, I want to go back to my wife and my daughter. I want to go back to my wife and my daughter. I didn't do this. Why you guys, you guys got the wrong man basically. And it gets revealed in that interrogation that Kuze, the terrorist, had implanted that memory into his brain. And in fact, the man doesn't even have a daughter. And it's revealed when um, Major turns around a picture saying, is this your daughter? The man says yes. But it turns out just to be a picture of himself. So watching it is a very powerful scene because you empathize with the character. But in the live action version, the scene plays out much later in the film. And instead of the garbage man really going into detail about his wife and his daughter, he mentions it once before it's revealed that he doesn't actually have a daughter. The scene is less dramatic and less powerful than the anime version. So they did change some stuff, but I don't know why they made that change. It's not as strong as the anime version. So, But I'm going to stop comparing it to that because it's its own separate entity. You know, It has a little bit of different story to it, a little bit different look to it. And I really enjoyed it. It was a very entertaining film. It kept me entertained from beginning to end. Some of the stuff, as I said, they hold your hand but in, in some areas, but in other areas, they don't give you enough information. So it really benefited from watching a second time. But I, I just can't get enough of that scenery. The CGI is amazing. Some of the fight scenes where you have Major breaking through the glass and the glass shattering looks really cool. And the other fight scenes, especially at the beginning, involving the robot geishas, are really well done. Definitely in the middle, you can lose interest. And I think I did the first time I watched it. But the second time, I paid more attention to it. And I really enjoyed it more. So, are we going to get a sequel? No. Just flat out no. There is no way that anyone is going to finance this movie in order to make a sequel. It was a bomb. It made back less than half its budget in North America. So this movie is not going to get a sequel, unfortunately. What you see is the only live action Ghost in the Shell you're probably ever going to get. So in terms of my rating out of five, I'm going to give this four out of five stars. I actually enjoyed this more than Kong Skull Island, which I know a lot of people didn't, especially critics and... Audience members definitely flock to see Kong as opposed to Ghost in the Shell. But for me, it was a very entertaining film. It looked great. It gave me a very nice futuristic look. I will say this. With Blade Runner, when that film first came out, it was deemed a box office failure as well. And it was like 20 years later that we started to see the genius behind this film. This could be one of those where we look back in 20 years and go, you know, we really shit on it when it came out but we should have gave it some more slack. So maybe in 2037 or 2040, we'll recognize that this was just a fun movie that looked great, gave us some good story and a lot of great action scenes. So on to my last review of the evening. None of us really know each other. We're all screw ups. But somehow, we were all in the same place at the same time when Billy found those coins. Guys, 
Check out how we glow. Little clip you just heard was from the Power Rangers 2017 film. Growing up, I was a huge Power Rangers fan. I had every action figure. I watched every episode. I even had them on VHS. I taped them. I had all the Zords that you would connect and build the Megazord. I had it all. I loved it. I remember watching it as a kid after school every day. I haven't watched it since I was maybe 10 years old. I kind of lost interest in it. I didn't watch any of the other incarnations of Power Rangers, just the very first one. I loved it so much that as a kid, I actually directed or tried to direct my own Power Rangers movie when I was about seven years old. So I got all the neighborhood kids around, made each one a different ranger, and I borrowed my parents' video camera and they let me record a little bit and we recorded a little bit of Power Rangers movie. I would love to find the footage now. I'm sure it's awful, but we never finished the film. You know, we parted over creative differences. The kids wanted two juice boxes. I was only willing to give them one, but we decided to part our separate ways. So I haven't directed since, but if Hollywood wants to throw millions of dollars at me, I would direct again. But on to Power Rangers. This is a remake of, as I said, the 90s kids show. It involves five kids who find these coins and they get transformed into a group of what are known as Power Rangers. Now the Power Rangers are ancient beings from millions of years ago and their job is to protect the light in the earth. If this light goes out, then all life on earth will die. And the villain of the film Rita Repulsa and Goldar, they're the two evil baddies trying to put out the light on the earth. So this film is currently ranked 22nd in 2017 for box office gross. On a $100 million budget, it gave us $85 million in North America and $142 million worldwide, which is, as I said with the previous two, disappointing for North America. These are three big franchise movies that failed to make back its budget just in North America. So that's very disappointing in terms of the North American box office. It hasn't been a great year. Numbers are down all across the board. We've had some hits like Beauty and the Beast and Wonder Woman, and I'm sure Star Wars, Justice League, Thor, Spider-Man, those are all hits, and they're all going to be hits as well. But some of these other non-superhero films haven't been able to captivate the audience as the other ones have, so I don't know why that is. I really enjoyed Power Rangers. You know, some of the positives. One, this had a very Chronicle-like feel to it. A group of kids that stumble upon these special superpowers. And it just shows them learning how to use their powers very slowly. It takes its time. It gives us a lot of backstory on each child. It spends about an hour and a half of a two-hour film giving us information on the children who gain these superpowers, and it isn't until that hour and a half movie that they transform into full-fledged Power Rangers. So only the last 30 minutes, which is a giant CGI fest, uh, the first hour and a half really gives you more backstory and exposition on each of these people. And it's something different. A lot of times you see these movies, the hero gets the powers very early, and then the whole movie is just them using those powers. This is not like that though. And they really craft the characters in this diverse cast. Now, diverse not only in race, but they also have a gay superhero and an autistic superhero, which you don't really see that often. I can't remember Hollywood ever putting a gay or autistic superhero in a movie before. So hats off for them for doing that. And I think they do a really good job. And it's not just them. I think all five Power Rangers did a really good job 
acting and giving us making us feel for each character and giving us a lot of backstory and depth behind each character they're not just one note characters and this film is a lot more dark and gritty than I was expecting. You look at the color palette, it's definitely inspired by Zack Snyder. You can tell that, you know, this isn't the 90s lighthearted kids show that we all remember growing up and watching as kids. Another strong point, Elizabeth Banks. She brought it. She always brings it to each and every role that she provides. And she does a great job being the over-the-top villain Rita Repulsa. As well, Bill Hader playing Alpha, he does another fantastic job as well. He's another actor that brings in each and every role that he's in. And as well, there's a scene, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's a character's death and they do a really good job with it. It took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting it and it gets you right in the feels and they do a really good job with that. It wasn't just used for shock value or, you know, it wasn't a cheap death. I think it was an earned death and I think they did a good job with that. Now some of the cons, I mean this movie is not without its cons. One, they use the Krispy Kreme tie-in way too much. The whole light of the earth is found to be hidden under a Krispy Kreme, which to me was just a little bit too much on the nose and a little bit too much of product placement. You see several characters eating at Krispy Kreme, including the main villain Rita Repulsa, which doesn't make any sense to me, but hey, I didn't pay millions of dollars like Krispy Kreme probably did to be put in the movie. I thought the ending was a little bit rushed. I mean, you build up all this time, an hour and a half, building up these characters, and then it's over in about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and I thought some of the fight scenes kind of seemed a bit cheesy. It was definitely reminiscent of the 90s kids cartoon, the fight scenes, especially them outside of their Megazords. But um, the Megazord looks great. It kind of looks like very Transformer feeling and you can definitely get that vibe. I think a character even makes a reference to Bumblebee in the grand finale. So you can definitely tell he took inspiration from Transformers as well. I think the film suffers a little bit in terms of who their audience is. I don't even think the film knows it. Sometimes the film is geared towards more for teens, sometimes more for adults, and sometimes it resorts to slapstick humor for kids. So I think that's part of the reason why this didn't really hit as well in the box office as they were expecting. I think they tried to give us an audience for all three when they should have just focused on one or two and really cater to that. They, you know, some scenes are really kiddish, some scenes are really adultish. So I was a little bit confused, but I think definitely growing up, I would have loved this film. Definitely between the ages of 7 to 12 is probably, you know, the key demographic who, who will love this film. So if you have kids or if you were a fan of the previous uh, 90s kids show, definitely recommend giving it a go. In terms of my rating, I give it 3.5 stars out of 5. I really enjoyed myself more than I was expecting. I heard a lot of negativity about this film and the only reason I bought it was because the steelbook looked fantastic to be honest with you. So I bought it and then I was like, ah, oh, do I really want this? Should I take it back to Best Buy? But I was too lazy and the steelbook looked fantastic. So I was like, okay, I might as well give it a shot. Let's see what's in it. And I ended up enjoying it. So that was a blind buy. I don't regret. Will we get a sequel? I'm hopeful. I mean, it didn't do terribly at the box office. North America, it failed to make back its budget, but it made a little bit worldwide that, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we'll get a sequel, but it's highly unlikely. All depends on how the home sales do. If the home sales do well, then perhaps we'll get a sequel, probably with a little bit lower budget, maybe in that uh, 50 to $60 million range. 
So I'm excited for the sequel and to see where they go from here. I think they have a strong foundation. I'd like to see them build upon it. I really enjoyed this film and I think people who watch it would be pleasantly surprised. Well, those are my three reviews for today. I reviewed Kong Skull Island, Ghost in the Shell, and Power Rangers. Ghost in the Shell was my favorite out of the three, then Power Rangers, then Kong Skull Island. I still enjoyed all three, but definitely to varying degrees. Unfortunately, I don't believe we'll ever see Ghost in the Shell come back, and Power Rangers probably not, but definitely we'll see a Kong sequel. So these movies all performed less than stellar at the box office, as I said, especially in North America, which is disappointing to see. I just think, I don't know if North Americans are just not going to the theater as much, if there's too much other entertainment out there for them, cheaper. Going to a movie nowadays is pretty expensive. I mean, if you go take a date to an IMAX film, get popcorn, you're looking at upwards of $50 when all said and done. And for a two-hour commitment for a movie you may not enjoy, it, it's a big commitment. So I think people are spending their money elsewhere. I hope cinemas figure this out because I love going to the movies and I don't want to see this industry die. But it, as I said, it's an unstable business model. People like the product, but they don't like to pay for it. So unless people start going to movies again or start buying movies, I mean, Netflix definitely has cut the legs out of that whole market. So movies that perform, you know, decent at the box office, like Power Rangers in the past, when they got the home video, the rental sales would be through the roof and the home sales would be through the roof. And that would allow the studios to make the sequel. Now, when you cut that out, I don't think we're going to, I don't think it's going to make enough money and home video to get a sequel. So fingers crossed, but yeah, it's just a changing landscape. And we experienced this before with Blockbuster going out of business. Hopefully, you know, this isn't the end of cinemas, but 2017 has been a down year. So that about does it for today's podcast. I'm going to wrap up here our solo cast. Thank you very much for listening to me today. Hopefully you're not sick of my voice. Uh, Next week, we hope to have Tim and Troy back. Tim will be back hopefully from his work and Troy will be back hopefully from his honeymoon. I mean, maybe he is going to have such a good time that he's going to stay there. My favorite part is that he's still tweeting and collecting. So a funny story about Troy He sent out a tweet. He was out collecting the day of his wedding. Like, hats off. That is a true collector. And on his honeymoon, he's actually posting pictures, going to Target and finding some uh, action figures. And I think that's great. Troy, you're not alone. On my honeymoon, I went to a comic shop and I took my wife to a football game. So hats off to you. Once a collector, always a collector. And it's great that you were able to find someone that nurtures your passion and allows it to grow as opposed to stifling it so hats off to you and your wife as i said a beautiful wedding thank you very much for listening to our podcast today so make sure you tune in next week where we will be discussing some more great nerd news probably talking about how great batman v superman is and how much suicide squad really deserved that oscar and for now i'm signing off i'm sanjay and thank you for listening to the nerd room This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Ghost Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.